Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Talking City podcast. Today we're joined by Stu Brennan and Simon Baikowski. Hello. How are you doing, guys? Good. Extremely well. Extremely well. Just a small matter of um, Manchester Derby then on Sunday. I mean, how how, are we feeling about that going in? I mean, it's two days to go till then. What's the mood like within City going into it? I think pretty buoyant, you know, (laughs) when you've just scored six goals in your last two home games. um, You can't really think of anything that would be more of a morale boost uh, ahead of a derby. There'll be, you know... And the beauty of it for City is that the the players tend to just treat the derby as another game. You know, they recognise the fact that for supporters it means something different. Um, but, but there's no... They're not sort of going into it um, where, having to wear the heart on the sleeve or anything like that any more than they would for any other game. Um, I mean, the same is for the United lads as well. You know, it's not it's not like the day, in days gone by when you had local lads in a derby who'd sort of come up playing against each other through the youth ranks and... Uh, and, and it was uh, they were quite hot tempered and uh, quite fierce affairs in days gone by I mean the rules dictate against that these days um, but you know there's these three important points at stake and it's a really big game for both teams if United win it they'll they'll sort of be back in the mix again in terms of the title uh, if City win it they, you know it's another blow for Liverpool because Liverpool will be hoping that City can drop points um, in this one uh, so three enormous points um, but only really the fans who think of it in 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 traditional derby terms I think there's almost there's more to it isn't there this this season comparison to the game towards the back end of last year when obviously City were practically already champions obviously United with the win the, can get themselves back in to near about the top four and yeah, give the, City the first defeat there is in that respect and you know it is three massive points because if United are six points off City and having beaten them you know the first team to beat them this season in the league then that is them you know absolutely flying off the back of that Juventus win and all these comeback wins fantastic international break they've got two weeks to savour that if they lose then they're 12 points behind and you can't say that they're in the title race but in a in a strange way I think that United winning at Juventus will help City because that United comeback at the end of last season like you say there wasn't much on it but there was um, City could have won the league that day and you have Mourinho at half time his players 2-0 down saying do not be the clowns you know watching as they pick up the title because they've just mugged you off and um, you know that could have been the case again going into Sunday if United had got beaten at, at Juve and you know they they need a win to turn the, the narrative around because if they'd lost at Juve they would have been more you know reports about Mourinho and his future etc and so them beating Juve I think does help City because it's not that desperation at United that they need to get a result 
and they're not favourites. So if they don't, then, you know, I think of the, their two games this week, they could afford to lose one. There, you, is, there is a pattern of that at United, isn't there? Where they get a big result yeah. and everyone talks about back. in the corner. Yeah, yeah. And then they just slip back into their old ways again. I mean, we haven't seen that at City. That's, that's one thing that Guardiola has really, really managed at City. Get a big result and then forget it and you move on to the next big result. Every game's a big result and... That 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 slackness is something Mourinho hasn't really tackled at United, and that's would, why they've they've so far behind City. I would, think. would you say there's more pressure on City going into it? Because I mean, you're looking at the previous results City have had. I mean, they've been blowing teams away. They've been scoring five and six. But whereas when you're coming into a Manchester derby, I think the almost like the the tempo of the game changes. It's probably going to be a bit more slower. There's, there's you mean you you might think it'll be United will be able to keep it more tight. Do you think it might have almost be a bit more? A bit more to a disadvantage because City have been blowing teams away so easily as of late going into this derby. I think pressure is a bit of an irrelevant word when you get at that level. I mean, you talk to any player, and they'll always say, "Every time we step on the pitch, we're under pressure. We put pressure on ourselves. That's the pressure that we're under." And the same goes for the manager. He'll say exactly the same. And he's assembled a squad that plays under pressure. You know, the way they play is under pressure. They passing it around at the back and passing it to the goalkeeper when there's two or three opposing players closing down on you that, that's all pressure that, that is what City do they play under pressure uh, both in terms of on the pitch and in terms of the, the off pitch pressure mm. um, it's, it's not really a concept that, that applies uh, at that level I don't think yeah. um, I mean you know every game City go into they, they, they put pressure on themselves to, to win it uh, and that's exactly what they'll be doing on, on Sunday I mean <laughs> Mourinho really has come under pressure. I mean, Pep's under no pressure. He's, he's he's got a job for life if he wants it. You know, after what he's achieved in the last twelve eighteen months, um, Mourinho is under uh, is under external pressure. He won't bother him because he's used to it. But you know, if if the result goes against City, it will be a blip. If the result goes against United, Mourinho will cop it. Um, especially if City City win big, which they're capable of. I don't think they will, but they are capable of it. You imagine that, you know, if City do win by three or four, um, Mourinho will really get it in the neck. He's, he's, he's right back under the, the hammer. I suppose it does help as well having a coach like Pep, where it doesn't matter if you're almost playing, if you have a game against United or a game against Burnley. I think Pep, he obviously is the kind of coach that will treat every single game like there's a must win he's always got the pressure on his players so it does help in yeah, that sense yeah yeah and that's I mean the old um, say old last season like Centurions versus Invincibles City lost a game when the, the great Arsenal side didn't but because City went out to win every single game they got more points than Arsenal than that Arsenal team so it was uh, you know uh, an interesting debate but they do go for the jugular every single time and neither set of players will have forgotten that that derby in April and City should still be hurting from it and whether Guardiola and the players can sort of transpose that anger and hurt into kind of an even more devastating performance on the pitch could be key so before going a bit further into the Derby game, I just want to go back to the Champions League game against Shakhtar. Obviously, another comfortable hammering from City. Raheem Sterling got a bit. He's been. I've seen a bit of criticism going his way for for what happened to be Raheem a Sterling massive criticism. Are you sure about <laughs> for a massive refereeing error? Mm. I mean, what, what do you guys make of that? What, what what do you make of the criticism he has received from some parts? It's absolutely pathetic. 
and these people need to take a long hard look at themselves you know there are some people who say there are racist undertones to this I don't know about that I mean only, only the people who are making these kind of allegations could answer that one um, unconsciously but, yeah quite possibly um, but the history of, of stick that Sterling has got is just outrageous you know for, he's a nice kid when all said and done everybody who's ever met him has nothing but good words to say about him you know he's a decent honest polite genuine lad who also happens to be an absolutely brilliant footballer you know I think he's in the last few well in the last 12 months probably he's sort of getting towards world class if not there already I mean the last two games he's, he's played world class I mean to, for me to be genuinely called world class you have to keep doing that and do it in the big games as well so if he does it against United fair enough but to have a go at him for what happened the other night is just ridiculous. It's preposterous. You know, it was clear to anybody um, who knows anything about football that what he tried to do was was chip, chip the ball over the keeper. He got it completely wrong, which even the best players do. He kicked the turf and he, he went over. You know, uh, it, was, it looked quite theatrical, but that's because I, th- I, th- I think if you kick the turf like that, if you get your studs caught in the turf, you're at risk of injury, and your natural reaction is to throw yourself clear of it, which he did do. There's no way he was looking for a penalty. You know, it, it, was, just, it was just an accident. It's something that happened. The referee was unsighted. You can see from other camera angles that the, uh, his assistant behind the goal was unsighted. Um, but it, it, was, it was a quite preposterous penalty. I've got some sympathy for the officials because they got it badly wrong, but um, they couldn't really see it. Nobody could really see see the incident. Why? Why does the well, guy behind the goal? Why is the five of them and none of them can see well, it? Well, yeah, and the, Pep that, that can see question. it from the dugout. Yeah, well, yeah, we could. Well, we couldn't see it from the. I couldn't see it from the press box. No, I need new glasses, but that's another matter. But but anyhow, that, that's all. It's all by the by. I mean, it was a really bad decision. Sterling was a bit a bit shamefaced about it. But then the, the the criticism. I'm not quite sure where the criticism is. Is it of Sterling for not owning up? Because if that's the case, week in week out in the Premier League, we're going to have players being castigated for. For, for not owning up when they've, when they've got a penalty that wasn't a penalty or, the, or whatever. You know? I think the only criticism you could have is that Sterling could have owned up but at the same time that's not his responsibility. It's That's the job of the referees like of Pep said. It's, I mean, you've got the guy literally standing is it behind the goal can, who can has you, a clear yeah. view of can, it. Can you tell me the last time everyone's talking about Robbie Fowler can you tell me the last time mm. a professional footballer owned up and said actually ref that wasn't a penalty or actually ref I used my hand to put that, that into the net um, or actually ref Fowler dived as well. Well, Fowler dived and he also said afterwards that the only reason he owned up was because the goalkeeper was David Seaman, who was his England colleague, yeah. and he didn't want to queer his relationship with with David Seaman, which is he's still very honest of him, you know. And it was it was a it was a very sporting thing to do, but you're going back twenty odd years to find the last time these incidents happen. You know, there's probably a dozen of them in the Premier League every weekend, if not more, and players aren't owning up to them. But all of a sudden, Raheem Sterling does it, and it's a it's on the back page. People yeah. saying he's got no class. And then I, I know I noticed on social media that one of the journalists involved in, in that back page uh, has been questioned as to as to why he said Sterling had no class, and he said, "No, I wasn't pointing that at Sterling." Well, who are you pointing it at then? 
Who, who you saying's got no class? You know, it's, it's just the whole thing is just—it's just a disgrace, in my opinion. I think, in fairness to Stalin as well, he's probably—he's probably thinking, "What on earth has just happened there? I've tripped over." We've all done it, haven't we? When we've been split, playing, it's—it's it's almost like split-second stuff where you're just like, "What's going on?" All of a sudden, the penalty's got gone in, and it's just—it's happened. It, you can't, it, I mean, it—it it, it is ridiculous. If you whack your foot into the turf when you go to chip it, it's. It hurts and it's massively embarrassing. And often at five a side, it ends with the other team taking the ball off you and running up the other end and scoring. He's, he's clearly done this yeah. many times. Many, many times. <laughs> he tells you why he's sitting here talking about football and not playing. At least once. Um, but I'd, again, it just seems mad that it, Raheem Sterling is singled out because if Pep saw it, why didn't Pep run on the pitch and tell the referee? Why didn't any of the City players tell the referee? Why didn't you know the Shakhtar players did sell the referee the ones that saw it but the referee had made up his mind and it's his mind that counts and there's so many inconsistencies like you know a defender's meant to tell the ref that they fouled a striker and things like that so I mean I think in Sterling's case I think back to when City played at Barcelona and I think it was a game where they lost 4-0 and it was I think it was 1-0 at the time and Sterling dodged into the box and was Blatantly brought down by Umtiti. Umtiti just just took his foot from under him. It from you know I say my eyesight isn't brilliant, but from my spot in the press box, I thought that's a penalty. And then you saw the replay, and you thought hundred percent penalty. There's no doubt about that. He didn't get the penalty. Umtiti didn't turn around and say, "Actually, ref, I've just taken him out there. It's a penalty." And nobody expected Umtiti to do that. I'm not. I wouldn't criticise Umtiti for that. Of course, it's just part of the game. You win some, you lose some. In this case, Sterling's got a big win out of it. But to start start talking about him having no class and, and all, it's just it's just disgraceful. It's awful. It, it's strange why he's not getting the praise he almost deserves because when you look at his stats, I mean, last year, 18 league goals, 23 all competitions. In terms of a winger, I mean, who who in world football is getting them kind of fingers as a winger? It's almost like, I mean, Ronaldo in his early days at United, was they, they were probably yeah. the figures he was getting on the wing. Uh, yeah, I, I think he has got more praise um, this season as he's sort of shown that it, it's hard to call it form anymore because it's it's over more than a season. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, how much of, how much of the Sterling criticism came from football journalists? I don't know how much was led by like, should we use the dreaded word, social media influences such as Piers Morgan and people who weren't at the game and just like seeing things and thinking, right, I can make an issue out of this. I know somebody's thinking, oh, Raheem Sterling, fantastic, let's pile on him again. Um, and that's maybe speaks to sort of the broader social commentary and um, other issues within our, our country rather than simply the football. Yeah. A lot, it stems back to him leaving Liverpool. You know, he left Liverpool under a bit of a cloud and there's a lot of Liverpool voices in the media um, uh, who, who've got, you know, there's a lot of ex-Liverpool players who are pundits. Uh, there's a lot of Liverpool fans within the media and I think a lot of it is that. Although having said that, Jamie Carragher came out last week and was full of praise for Sterling. And, last uh, week? Yeah. and <laughs> <laughs> Three years on. Yeah, well, yeah. But, um, you know, at, at least at least he sort of turned the corner on that. Um, but also a lot of it comes from news reporters. It's not, I'll say, I'll use, use the word reporters loosely, new, news journalists, um, who, who sort of criticises, find, find all kinds of excuses to criticise his lifestyle. 
Um, you know, sports journalists, certainly sports journalists in Manchester, treat Sterling with respect um, and are always glad to hear from him, glad to talk to him. That doesn't happen very often because, you know, understandably, the lad doesn't want to talk a lot because uh, he feels he's getting unfairly treated by the media. So why should he Why should he throw them tidbits when, uh, when that's the case? It sounds like we're going to... Evacuation. <laughs> you said the magic word around the conversation. <laughs> well, hopefully that won't come back on. That was yeah. a sterling alarm going off. <laughs> <laughs> We've been now turning into QI. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, I mean, I suppose the one thing that Sterling could approve on, I mean, is his, probably his form for England. I mean, you look at his goals for City, then look at his goals for England. I mean, he's, get, he's getting nearly one in two for City, whereas for England, he's got four in, I think, 46. So, I mean, I mean, he'll probably think he could improve on, on from that angle. But, I mean, you've, you've probably got, I mean, where, where would you rank Sterling in terms of almost, you see he's, he's borderline world class now, but would you say, would you not say he's already there? Would you not, would you say if you look yes. at the teams across Europe, he would get into, I mean, the top teams now? Yeah. Have to say. Yeah. I, I can't think of many more influential players. I know the system at City suits him, but I think for me, he's, um, he's one of the, the best players every week on the pitch and to do that in an outstanding City team, surely puts you up there as, as world class I think he's for me he's undoubtedly the best English player but he's not England's best player that, that's perhaps the way of putting it um, and that's because England have built the team around Harry Kane now for me that's wrong for me if I was if I was England manager my team would be attuned towards getting the best out of Raheem Sterling what, what would that be would it be almost just having well in the World Cup he, he was he was sort of play, he was played central behind Kane uh, and he was used as a decoy, he was the one who was to take defenders away and leave Kane in uh, in space. He was the one who was to drop in and get the ball and, and then lay it off again. Um, we saw him do that to good effect for that Jesse Lingard goal. Was it against Panama? I can't remember. But, you know, he, he's been used in that role. But to me, it's not making the best advantage of his, of his attributes, which are his pace and his direct running. If he's playing with his back to goal, like he did for a lot of the World Cup, um, I don't think he... You're getting the best out of him. Um, they, they used it. They perhaps they found a solution because in that that the game was in Spain, wasn't it? Where he scored twice uh, mm. for England, which was his, clearly his best game for England possibly ever. You yeah. know? And, and they were, it was, the first one was a great finish, um, and it, and it showed exactly what he has got in his locker these days. So perhaps uh, perhaps Gareth Southgate has found a way of utilising him. We'll, we'll only find that out in the next year or two for England. But you know. The flack he's got for playing for England has been completely muted by the support and the love he's got from the City fans. You know, they absolutely adore him. Uh, Guardiola adores him. And he's that's been shown by the fact that he's, uh, from what we've heard, he's about to sign a, a bumper new contract. Has Southgate had success, though, because he's made England less English? In the sense that I don't think Sterling's a very English player necessarily, mm. but he's found success in that City team of tiny attackers that Guardiola loves that are just faster and more skillful than anyone else and more exciting to watch as well well yeah but you know it, it's not a very English setup or how England have played and you know whereas having a big target man in Harry Kane is is more more the English way um and so England, Southgate's kind of moving away from that and more people are real you know like three at the back as well and 
moving away. I know Guardiola got a lot of credit at the World Cup for the way England and other teams um, set up and kind of Sterling... I don't know whether he's a player that would get a lot more love and appreciation if he played abroad um, because his best skills are not necessarily what we normally appreciate in the English game. Well, th- th- he's playing for City. I mean, he, he can't he can't move countries, can he? He's not going to go and play for Spain. No, I know, but you know, like, say Wayne Rooney um, was very much appreciated by, like, Messi and Busquets and people like that, even when... Um, Back in England, he wasn't necessarily getting yeah. the love. Yeah, you know, they saw a player and they thought that is a world class player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. But um, yeah, so uh, moving on from Sterling in that Shakhtar game, Gabriel Jesus Hatwick putting the pressure on Sergio Aguero. I mean, it's what a dilemma to have. You've got two informed strikers. Going, going at it um, Gabriel Jesus I mean he's, he probably won't start the derby but I mean how close how, I mean would you say that he, at some point he may, may feature in that game alongside maybe fitting him into the team with Aguero I mean is that possible with the form Mares Sterling everyone else is in this is a problem you've got you've got so many players who are in form I mean of all of them it sounds bizarre when he's just scored a hat-trick but of all of those attacking players he's probably the one who's in least form I mean he, he scored a hat-trick but two were penalties uh, I'll, I'll be both good penalties, uh, and the third one was a was a lovely finish. Um, but in the game as a whole, he wasn't he wasn't brilliant. He was good, but he wasn't brilliant. He gave the ball away too many times. Uh, he missed a chance or two. <clears throat> um, I think the worrying thing for United is that, as we saw when Gabriel Jesus first came to the club, he got his place in place of Aguero. Aguero's nose was pushed out a joint <clears throat> uh, he had to sit on the bench a few times then Jesus got an injury and Aguero came back in and Aguero was absolutely dynamite after that he didn't he didn't sulk he didn't you know he, he didn't whinge he, uh, for a time he, he was it, actually I say he didn't whinge he was actually <laughs> he was actually questioning his future at the club because he was actually stopping and talking to reporters in the mix zone after games which he never normally does and he was answering questions and saying I don't know what my future is at City you'd have to ask the club which is a way of sort of saying I'm not entirely happy about this. I think we, we need to sort this. But having said that, he did the right thing by getting into training, knuckling down, doing what Guardiola asked of him, which was improve his all-round game, became more of a number 10 than an out-and-out striker. Uh, so he was creating and working hard for the team as well as scoring the goals. And as a result of Gabriel, Gabriel Jesus coming in, Aguero is a better striker, a better, better all-round player uh, and still got the goals. So... Aguero sat on the bench the other night and saw Jesus score three and he's going to be thinking yeah I'm going to have to up my game here so he's he's going to be going, he'll be going for United anyway but he'll have he reacts in the right way Aguero we've seen that he reacts to he reacts to challenges to his position he, he didn't really have a, a challenger to his position until Jesus came along Jekyll never was uh, there was a time where him and Tevez were sort of vying for, for a spot maybe but um, he's not really had Balotelli wasn't a threat to him uh, but Jesus came along and Guardiola made him a threat instantly to Aguero's place perhaps we'll now see Aguero respond to the fact that Jesus is, is coming back into form yeah, I, something's not quite been right with Jesus this season. 
Um, and I think it showed on on Wednesday when he got put through and he hesitated just before taking a shot and then took it and it got uh, blocked by by a defender when otherwise he would have been been through. And if, if you think back to when he first came to the team, this sort of carefree, happy guy, he was just scoring goals for fun and every touch he had seemed to go in. Every shot was a shot on target and every shot on target was a goal. Um, he's not quite done that and that, and that's why I would say put Sterling above Jesus and Sane because they still have um, spells where they're not as effective and they're struggling for form and games, whereas it's been a while since since Raheem had a bad game. But uh, I think I wouldn't have thought Jesus will start the derby because Aguero has been so good this season and has lifted his game to, to new heights. Um, but you could see with the chip that he scored on Wednesday, Jesus, just a bit of confidence coming back into him. It, it, he's a useful guy to have, isn't it, really? Because uh, the players who are starting every week have, must be thinking, well, well, if, if my performances drop off, well, Gabriel Jesus on the bench, he can come on. Yeah. He's probably going to do well. Then next week he starts and I'm on the bench. It's, he, he's phenomenally useful and Guardiola loves him so much, not for his goals but because of the hard work he does. And if you I forget which game it was, because they've scored so many goals, but there was when Bernardo came off the bench the other week and ran through and scored, it might've been against Shakhtar in the away game. It was Jesus pulling the defender away with his run that brought him the space to score. And it's those kind of moves that sometimes go underappreciated in when you look at Jesus, but at the same time, he has to score goals. And I think Wednesday was his first, he'd only other scored against Huddersfield and, and Oxford before then this season. So, you know, if you want to stay in this team, you've got to score goals. He was, uh, he was interviewed in the mix zone after the Shakhtar game the other night. It was all in Portuguese, but uh, we managed to get... Luckily, you're job. fluent in it. Absolutely fluent <laughs> in, in Portuguese. I am the Portuguese. Um, but we got it translated and he... It, he, he sort of admitted that he hadn't been at his best for quite a while uh, and he put that down to it was a bit confusing really because he said since I had my first injury I've not been the same now his first injury was shortly into his City career um, you know about a month after he, he came and he had that he, he scored about five goals in six games yeah. and then he was injured at Bournemouth he broke his metatarsal and had to have surgery on it uh, and then sort of came back and uh, just sort of saw out the season really uh, but then last season it, he he had a good season you know his, his figures will tell you that was it 20 goals in 52 games or something like yeah, that yeah he kept a good error out of the derby at Old Trafford yeah yeah he had a good season he wasn't he wasn't outstanding but he was he was he was good or very good um, but then this season he's, he's really struggled now I wouldn't he, I don't I wonder he said since I had the surgery now the only surgery I can unless he's had surgery that nobody's talked about the only surgery I can think of is on his metatarsal when he uh, shortly after he started um, I think he, he perhaps meant the, the injury at the start of the season S- since he got that injury he uh, he hasn't he hasn't been quite the same uh, I'm saying that he, has he been injured this season or am I thinking back to he had a he was out last season yeah for for a while, yeah, that's that's thing. That's what that's what I'm thinking. Of. But you know, it was a little bit confusing what he said. But he's basically saying injury has set me back, 
and uh, I'm, I'm, I feel now that I'm getting back to where I was. So if that's the case, it's uh, it's, it's bad news for yeah. the, the Premier League and probably good news for Sergio Aguero and for Pep Guardiola, yeah. to be honest. Well, he well he certainly is obviously a very important part of City's team, even if he isn't starting. In given that he, he does put pressure on the players who are in that first team, but two days to go now till till the derby itself. How how do we see that going down? You um, predicting that da- I'm I'm never one who sits You've got, on the you fence. Can't sit on the fence. I just, don't, just I don't, score predictions. FYI. I never sit on the fence. I'll t- I'll give you a full prediction. You know, including scorers and minutes if you want, because I don't you, care. Go on. You can hit us with it. But no, derbies. Derbies are so tough because anything happens. You know, even when United were on top in the derby going back years. Uh, you couldn't predict it because City go Old Trafford and turn them over, um, and then you know in the, in the last few years United have United have been the underdogs, but they've gone to gone to City and so who would have predicted that United would have won three two at half time last season? Uh, this this such difficult things, but if you're going to absolutely push me on it, I'll go for two one City. Um, I'm not going to predict scorers and and minutes. I just said you would if I, if I knew that. No, I said normally I would. Oh, okay. But not right. for a dog. If, if, two okay. one in if I knew that, back, I'd, be, I'd be straight down the bookies. I wouldn't be sitting here <laughs> talking to you two. So? so? Um, yeah, I think, like I was saying with, uh, I think Juve have maybe taken some of the heat off City. I think it will be 3-1 to City. 3-1. Conf- mm. Confident. Well, I mean... They've got to start as heavy favourites. They can't stop scoring at the minute. They're in supreme form. And and uh, you just look at that attack and whoever comes in, it's just full of goals and as, as good as, as David De Gea is. Um, I'm not sure the defence in front of him has been that solid this season. So Interesting that you both have for City to concede, mm-hmm. despite City's... Well, it's a derby, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know. United have been scoring, haven't they? As much as they, they have to, uh, been coming back a lot. They have to concede to to start playing. So you can see City conceding. They've not been, they've been very good at the back um, for some time. Edison was a bit rash at the weekend with with Southampton, but yeah, I think just just because it's a derby, you'd think both teams would score. Right, that's just about all we have time for today. If you haven't already subscribed to us on Acast, please be sure to do so. We have that dreaded international break coming up next week, so we'll hopefully have a couple of podcasts out in that time to keep you going through that international break. So thank you for joining us, and hopefully we'll be back with a positive podcast after the derby.